I have the privilege of going there and teaching about once a year. And so uh, I, I know where he is and, and what he's doing, and it is a very, very good work. And, and just to let you know, he's not just going back home to enjoy everything. He's going at one of the probably the, the worst times because it's cold and snowy. Uh, he's not up there in the springtime where it's nice and beautiful. Um, <clears throat> I actually will be in Cuba next week, and it'll be really nice there. Uh, so, um, so I'm trying to make my arrangements for Romania in the spring when it's a little bit nicer. Uh, I bring you greetings from High Point Baptist Church, and I bring you greetings from my family, my wife Janine. Uh, my daughter uh, Alexandra is not with us. She's in North Carolina this morning uh, with some college friends. And then uh, my daughter Hope Amanda, my daughter Gabrielle, my daughter Zoe, and my daughter Maxie. And that's it. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with five daughters, and it's been a great joy to have a house full of girls. Some, sometimes people feel sorry for me because they think I have it really bad. I actually have it really, really good. And so it's a real blessing to, to be with them. And, and I, was, uh, I was riding with uh, one of my daughters yesterday, and we were, we were just listening to music and li- listening to the radio and, uh, and some CDs and different things like that. And, and it was fascinating to me to consider love songs. I don't know, you know, we have different generations here, and listen, I, I'm 46 years old, and to some of you, that's really, really old, and to others of you, that's really, really young. And I've been told I was born in the wrong decade. I actually love big band music. Uh, I've met Sammy Kay, some of you might remember Swing and Sway with Sammy Kay, and I love Tommy Dorsey, and, and all the big band eras. I'm a trombone player. My undergraduate degree is in music. So I played jazz and played all the big band music. And so I really, really enjoyed it. And so I, I remember when songs actually were written and they had meaning and, and, and were really thorough and, and had stories. But we were, we were riding in the car and listening to this song by this girl who may be 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. And, and, and the song went something like this. Now, some of you younger people might, might recognize but. I love you like a love song baby. I love you like a love song baby. And I kept hitting repeat. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? I love you like a love song. Well, what, I mean, and it's, if you've seen the movie Inception, it was really bizarre for me because it was like a love song within a love song about love. But it meant absolutely nothing. And that's kind of where we are in our life today. We're, we talk a lot about love. We sing love songs that are really kind of fluffy. They don't, there's not a lot of meaning. There's not a lot of teeth to it. Uh, you know, we don't write poetry anymore. We don't express love anymore. It's, I love you like a love song, and I just keep hitting repeat. You know, and somehow, that's supposed to win everybody over. And um, th- it's interesting because we all want to be loved, don't we? We all want to love And it's interesting, the Bible says that in the last times, people will love. But it's not the kind of love you think about. Let me just show you. You don't have to turn there. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul talks about end-time love this way. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers. I don't know if you've ever noticed that when you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, but, but it says in the end times... People will be lovers. But notice what he goes on to say. People will be lovers of self. They will be lovers of money. They will be proud. 
arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. And then it says, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying the power, denying its power, avoid such people. I was reading this passage when I was preparing for this message, and I thought, the word love never jumped out at me like that before in that passage. And it, it helps me see that, that everyone loves something. Everyone loves someone. Everyone wants to love. Everyone wants to be loved. And the end times, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of things that are not good, rather than lovers of God. And this is what drives our culture. It is love. It is, it is some kind of love. And so it's no surprise that since the end has drawn near, the Apostle Peter, in our text, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Above all, love one another. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 I want to read this for us. This is going to be our text. We're going, to, we're going to camp out right here. And I want to walk us through this text. I'm going to take you to some other texts to try to explain what Peter's saying here. So I hope that you'll be able to follow along with me. But, but what I want you to see is that we're all, we're all lovers. Every, believers, unbelievers, we're all lovers because God has created us to love. And so we, we have to love something or someone. And Peter's saying here that in the end times that we have to love one another above all else. Now that's curious to me because I would have expected Peter to actually say above all else, love God. Didn't you? I mean, at least that's what I was thinking. Above all else, love God. Above all else, love God. But he says above all else, love one another. Now I want to find out why he says that. Not only do I want to find out why he says that, I want to find out what kind of love this is. What kind of love is this that we're to love one another with? Why should we love like this? Why, why should we love one another in this manner above all else? And then thirdly, how can we love one another in the way that Peter is helping us to see we need to love one another? So those are the three questions that I want to answer from this text this morning. Number one, what kind of love is this? Number two, why should we love like this? And then number three, how can we love like this? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 with me, verses 7 through 11. I want to read that for us to prepare our minds for it. And because this is God's Word, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Holy Word as I read God's Word for us this morning. This is God's Word for us. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 through verse 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion 
forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your grace to teach us. Teach us this morning from your word. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Open our ears to hear the truth that you have for us this morning. Open our eyes to see the truth and the beauty and the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, Father, to not simply hear your word, but to listen and to obey your word. Grant us grace this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So what kind of love is this? What kind of love is Peter trying to help the church understand that we're supposed to express toward one another? Uh, just very quickly, uh, with, Peter is writing to Christians in Central, in, uh, in Central Asia, uh, kind of in, in Asia, excuse me, the Asia Minor area, which is what we would know, know as modern-day Turkey. So think of it that way, modern-day Turkey. These are Christians, and he calls them scattered. They're God's elect who have been scattered. These are just Christians who are everywhere, but he also applies language, Old Testament language to them as those who are God's holy people, a kingdom of priests, God's chosen nation. They are the people whom God is gathering, his elect whom he's going to gather from the four corners. But at the present time, there's strangers and aliens journeying through this life until the return of Jesus Christ when he will gather his people back to himself. So Peter's actually helping the people to understand how to persevere in these last days until the return of Christ. And so that's the context. So as we are persevering together till the end of Christ, there's going to be great pressure on the church. And as a part of that great pressure, things are going to happen within the church that are going to cause us not to love one another. In fact, they're going to cause us to react to one another. And Peter's trying to get us to help us understand, listen, the world is against us. We can't be against one another. And so he's trying to help, help us understand and refocus our attention as a church and as believers and as a fellowship of community that above all else love one another. And this is why I think he's saying above all else love one another. Because life is hard and, and, and the world is going to come against you. And this is, this is the context where people are coming to faith in Christ. And he's talking to perhaps women who have come to faith in Christ and their husbands are not believers. And he's encouraging them saying, listen, it's going to be hard for you but you follow the leadership of your husband that you may win him. It's a situation where there might, be, there might be people who come to faith in Christ, but their masters are unbelievers. And their masters might bring pressure upon them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's a possibility that the government might come against them. And, and so, because everyone is against you, you can't be against one another. So above all, love one another. And so what kind of love is this? Peter explains this. Number one, it's an earnest love. It's an earnest love. Look at verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Now, what does that word earnestly mean? It comes from a word that means to stretch out. Now, now some of you are, are my age, and you remember that toy, Stretch Armstrong? Remember Stretch Armstrong? It was, it was a, an, an action figure, and he had some kind of gelatin inside of him. And you could take him and you could stretch him and stretch him and stretch him. And then he'd go back to his shape once you let him go. This is the kind of love that Peter's actually talking about. It's, it's the kind of love that stretches and stretches and stretches and it doesn't break. It's the kind of love that even when it's stretched, it will come back into its right shape. And, and earnest love, it's a, it's a love that never ends. 
It stretches, but it never breaks. It eagerly endures. Let me ask you, what causes your love to break? What causes your love when it's stretched to break and to not come back? Maybe it's anger. Maybe someone's done something to you and you're angry at that person. And what anger does is it works in us and it, it, it begins to build into bitterness. And then we become cynical toward that person. And then, and then there's hatred and then our revenge is, is a coldness. That's how we get back at people that make us angry. We, we might... We might satisfy ourselves thinking, well, I'm not sinning against him. I, I'm not angry at him anymore. But if that person were to come into the room, you would just simply not talk to them. You would just be cold. You would give them a cold shoulder. You see, that's not, that's not, a, that's not an earnest kind of love, is it? That, that's, that's a love that's been broken. Maybe fear. Maybe fear causes your love to break. I imagine this might be the case in singles, with singles in our culture, regardless of what age you are. Maybe you're afraid to love because... You're afraid of getting hurt. You're afraid of someone taking advantage of you. You're afraid of becoming vulnerable and allowing someone to love you. You're afraid of allowing yourself to love someone because you're afraid. Maybe, maybe it's pride. Maybe pride is what's broken your love. Maybe you did love someone and that someone betrayed you. That someone turned against you. And, and, and out of pride, you, you're not going to let anyone else do that to you. No one else is ever going to do that to me again. I, I remember that happened to me. I was engaged once when I was uh, a student at the University of Florida, and, and I entered into the Navy. I, I had to go back into the Navy to finish my enlistment contract. And the girl that I was engaged to, I found out she, she already had a boyfriend. And uh, I remember taking all her pictures and all her letters. We were out at sea. Now, this is not right, young people, so I'm, I'm making sure you understand but this is just what I did in my sinfulness. I, I took all the letters, all the pictures, and I threw them out in the middle of the ocean. And then I came back to the University of Florida to finish my degree. And at that point, I was, I was in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, mid 20s, early 20s. <laughs> and um, I came back to the University of Florida, went to the, the music department, and and I bowed, I am not getting married until I'm 40 years old. I don't know why I picked 40. That just sounded good. It sounded like a long way away when you're in your early 20s. I'm not getting married until I'm 40 years old. And, uh, and so lo and behold, I got married at 24. Um, <clears throat> no, what time, how old was I? 25, 25. Got married at 25. Um, but my wife and I, uh, we met in a music theory class, and uh, the last thing on my mind was getting in a relationship. But, uh, but the Lord allowed us to become friends, and that friend, friendship blossomed into romance, and that romance blossomed into a, a marriage now of uh, 22 years. And it is, is a real blessing. But it was pride on my part. It was pride on my part that said, I am never getting hurt again. You know, I was, some of you remember the little rascals. I'm getting really old now, aren't I? I was a part of the He-Man Women Haters Club. I just, I just didn't want to have anything to do with women. It was pride. It was, it was pride that had broken my love, and it caused me not to move forward in that area. Maybe it's a lack of faith and hope that has broken your love. A skepticism. Maybe you're skeptical about love. 
you don't believe someone can change. You're living with someone and, and, and there's some things that are wrong. There's no denying that, but, but you've lost hope that that person can actually change. You, you've lost hope that the grace of God can come into that person's life and actually renew them, maybe renew their heart or, or bring them back to Christ. And, and, and because of your lack of faith and lack of hope, you're skeptical and you, you, your love is broken. In these last days, Peter tells us to persevere in love because love is the mark of a Christian. Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And as those who bear the name of Christ, we cannot be unloving. Love is the mark of a Christian. But notice, secondly, it is a welcoming love. It is a welcoming love. Look at verse 9. Peter says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. One mark of a Christian is hospitality, and, and hospitality without grumbling, and I would add without discrimination. We, we are to be a welcoming people. And let, me just, let me just commend you and encourage you because uh, sometimes during the summers I go on sabbaticals to, to be able to do some reading and some writing, and I visit a f- quite a few churches in Austin, some some quite large churches in Austin. And let me just say, I, I have felt very welcomed and comfortable here at Parks Hill, and it has been a joy to be here. So my next sabbatical, I'll sure be bring my family here and just worship with you and just enjoy your company because you're a very welcoming congregation. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. But we're to be welcoming, not just, not just on Sunday mornings. We're to be welcoming every single day. Um, our family has not... Uh, observed uh, Halloween for many, many years for, for various reasons. I don't know what your position is on that, but, but on Monday night, that's t- tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow night, I, I told Janine, you know, when we leave church, we'll, we'll end up going home. Let's just buy s- some candy and let's just be good neighbors. You know, we're not going to dress up. We're not going to do those kinds of things. And, and, and whatever you want to do, that's okay. I'm not judging anyone for one thing or the other. I'm just saying, you know what? As Christians, we want to be welcoming. And, and in our cul-de-sac, there's tons of kids, and we don't want to be known as the stingy house that turns your lights off. You know, they're in there. You know, you can see the glow of the TV, right? Because those kids, they're, at our, they're in our yard every single day. And we want to just start building relationships with the people all around us. You know, next, next, next to us, we have a family that's they, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and over here, we have some young college uh, kids and they've been partying all weekend long. You know, and so we have lots of, of unbelieving people right around us, and uh, we just want to simply be good neighbors to, to build a bridge for opportunities to have gospel conversations. But as Christians, that's what we're to be doing. Sharing a meal is a beautiful picture of inclusion in community. And so I would encourage you that, that maybe... You, Maybe in a, in a church of this size, you, you might not get to know everyone, or at least you might not get to know everyone in an intimate way. But, but let, me, let me encourage perhaps some of you who are older to invite some of the ones who are younger over to your house and share a meal. But let me also encourage some of you who are younger to look to some of the ones who are older and invite them to your home for a meal. And, and one of the things that you need to understand, I, I shared this with our congregation a few weeks ago, um, we are called to hospitality, not entertainment. And this is what I mean. My, my wife grew up in a context where every time people came over the, the, the house, it was entertainment. You know, the fine china came out, the silver came out. Um, 
That's not what we're talking about. And, and sometimes we're not hospitable because we're afraid that our stuff isn't nice enough, our house isn't big enough. Listen, we're called to be hospitable regardless of the size of our house. And, and here's what I would encourage you to do. Just buy paper plates. Just buy paper plates and don't be afraid to serve on paper plates. You know, um, I, I'm trying to get my wife to do that. Uh, and, and we buy that now. We're, we've moved now from, you know, the really hard paper plates that cost about as much as China to now cheap paper plates that really don't hold very much food. And so we're progressing that way. And it's just, it's just, it's just a habit. And, and, and we want to have people over our house. We want our home to be a safe place for our children to invite their friends. But we also want our church family to know that our house is their home as well. And, um, and, and you, you want to be welcoming. That, that's the kind of love that Peter is, exp- is telling us that we're to express to one another, a, a, a welcoming kind of love. Thirdly, notice it is a serving love. It is a serving love. Verses 4 and 10. Whoever speaks, excuse me, verse 10, as each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another. In other words, don't be selfish about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. The Holy Spirit has gifted you individually. If you are, if you are a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. And if you have the Spirit of God, you have been gifted by the Spirit of God for the purpose of building up the body. You're to serve one another with these gifts. These gifts are not to serve yourself. You know, there's, there are too many TV preachers that are serving themselves, building up mansions and and winter homes, and summer homes, and yachts, and planes. That's not why the Lord has gifted us. The Lord has gifted us to build up the church, not to build up ourselves. And so, so this is a kind of love. By the way, the, the, the word there that, that Peter used it, you know, to serve one another is a word from where we get our English word deacon. So it's, it's a deaconing kind of love. It's a, it's a, we also get our word minister. The word minister and deacon kind of means the same thing. It just means to serve. And we're all called to minister. We're all called to deacon. We're all called to serve one another. And this is, this is the kind of love that Peter expresses. So I want to ask you, how are you expressing your love for Christ and for His body through service here at Park Hills? Through service of other Christians? Through, through service of maybe even your neighbors, using your gift to serve your neighbors? Gifts of hospitality, gifts of giving, your gifts of sharing, uh, different kinds of gifts, even in your workplace, right? Some of you have gifts of administration. You can utilize that in your workplace, but maybe the church also needs some administration and needs some kind of uh, people to do different things. And so we're all called to serve one another. And one of the things I would warn you and caution you is, is saying yes, but to Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, I won't, I won't read it. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62 Someone comes up to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, what? Listen, foxes have holes. Birds have their nests. I don't have any place to lay my head. Basically, are you sure you want to follow me? Are you sure you know what you're asking? And then Jesus says to someone, you follow me. And he says, no. He says, yes, but. Yes, Jesus will follow you, but first let me bury my father. And at that point, Jesus seems kind of heartless. Because he says, that's not good enough. And what actually the young man is asking is saying, let me first bury my father. He's not sick. He's not at the age of death. Let me live with him and let me spend my life with him. And once he's dead, I'll bury him. Then I'll come follow you. That's where the yes but comes in. And then someone else says, um, yes, but let me first say farewell to my family. 
says, yes, but. And, and Jesus, that's not good enough. And the point is that this guy wants to go back and he wants to spend time with his family. He wants to feast with his family. He wants to really take in time with his family before he ever goes off to follow Christ. And, and the issue is that we have a tendency to say yes, but to Jesus, don't we? Yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first, you know what? I'm in this season of life, and i got to do this, and, and maybe when I get to this next season of life, then I'll follow you. Or, no, you know, we just got married, and, you know, going off somewhere doesn't really sound good. Um, we're just going to be married for a few years first, and then, and then we'll follow you, Jesus. I mean, we have all kinds of, well, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm just a few years away from retirement. Jesus, just give me these last years before I retire, and then I'll follow you, or, well, Jesus, I'm, I'm in retirement right now, and um, I've just moved in to be with my grandkids, and, and let me just enjoy the season. Then I'll follow you. you. You get the picture of the yes budding to Christ? All of us do that, don't we? But we're called to serve Christ and to serve one another. So be careful of saying yes, but. So this is the kind of love that we're supposed to love. It is an earnest love, a love that, that stretches but doesn't break. It is a welcoming love. It is a serving love. But secondly, let's look at the second question. Why are we to love like this? Why should we love like this? Go back to verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another since, here's the reason, love covers a multitude of sins. When you are getting pressure from the outside world, when there, when there is an unbelieving spouse putting pressure on a believing spouse, when there is there's a believing worker in, a, in an unbelieving workplace, when, when there are, are believers in places where there are unbelievers over you and they're putting pressure on you, and when we come together as a church, we are a family, we, we're to love one another, and, and our love is to stretch. It is to be welcoming. It is, it is a love that serves one another. And the reason for this kind of love is that love covers a multitude of sins. And here's what I think that Peter means. He means that, that love does not accuse. Or in the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. I was, I was involved in, in some marital counseling for a couple that the marriage was really going down in flames and and uh, this woman was just kind of beating down on the husband and beating down on the husband and beating down on the husband and uh, he just was sitting there helpless and he just looks up at me and he was it, this is a man who had a high school education maybe a ged didn't go to college you know he wouldn't consider himself an intellectual he was just a regular joe kind of guy but he said the most philosophical statement i've ever heard in my life in counseling in the middle of that, he's being beaten down, beaten down by his wife, and he just looks up and he says, you know what, Pastor? Women are historians. That's all he said. Now, you see the guys laugh first fast because they know what that means, right? And, and what he was saying is she just remembers everything and she keeps bringing everything back up all the time. But, you know, we do that too in the church, don't we? A love that covers a multitude of sins. It's not a love that says, oh, let's just let bygones be bygones. It's, it's not a love that does not address sin. But it is a love that is forbearing. It doesn't accuse. You know, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's his job. That's not our job to accuse one another. We're to be, we're to be forgiving. Seven times? No. Seventy times seven. 
Now, just think about that for a minute. When, when Peter said to Jesus, when Jesus says, Peter, how, how often should you forgive someone? And Peter said seven times. That's pretty generous, isn't it? I mean, just think about that for a minute. Seven times, it's pretty generous. You know, the, the, our culture has a saying, you know, you, you get me once, you know, shame on you. What is it? That's right, you get me twice, shame on me. So our culture has a two forgiveness limit, or really one forgiveness limit. You know, by the second time, I got you figured out. Jesus was being generous when he said seven times, and Jesus said no, 70 times seven. And the point is not 490 times, and then the 491st time, okay, I'm done with you. The point is that we're to forgive and forgive and forgive. We're to be a forgiving people. You know, I think about children in this situation. <clears throat> I remember one time I was, um, I was at home, and, and I can't remember where Janine was, and, and that's usually not a good thing when Janine's not home, and I'm alone with the girls. Um, and and so, so we were doing something, and, and um, one of our younger girls was fixing macaroni and cheese, and, and she just happened to use the sliced cheese for our sandwiches and I was going somewhere getting ready to go somewhere and I was getting ready to make a sandwich and um, and just fly out of the house and and I go I, I open the cabinet in the refrigerator where the cheese is and there was no cheese and I thought what in the world happened to the cheese it was there this morning and I, I came to find out that our our 10 year old at the time had used all the cheese to make a really really cheesy macaroni and cheese and, you know, I, I didn't yell or anything, but I, I, could, I showed my anger. I showed my disappointment, and I said, that's not what this cheese is for. I left the house, and as I'm driving away from the house, the Lord really came down on me hard. And, and you know what I thought? I thought to myself, you did that over a slice of cheese. And so I called home. Janine answered the phone. I said, Janine, I need to, I need to speak with so-and-so. And um, she got to the phone, and she said, Daddy, are you mad at me? I said, I said I'm, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm really sorry. And I said, I love you more than cheese. <laughs> but isn't that what we communicate? I mean, when... It's like, I love the cheese more than I love you. But isn't that how we, how we go? Isn't that how we act? Isn't that how we live? We, we love stuff more than people. I mean, I was irate over a slice of cheese, and I was communicating to my daughter that I loved that cheese, really, that I loved myself more than I loved her. And, um, and she said, Daddy, it's okay. It's, it's no big deal. You see, that's a love that covers a multitude of sins. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus says we must be like a child. Very forgiving. I don't know about you, but my kids have forgiven me so much stuff. And I'm so thankful for their resilience. I'm so thankful for the tenderness of their hearts. I'm so thankful for their love for their dumb father that keeps forgiving and forgiving. And, and I can guarantee you I've gone over 490 times. And they just keep forgiving. That's the kind of love that we're supposed to love with. We're supposed to love like this because love covers a multitude of sins. And the world, when the world comes against us, we're together. 
we're family and we're not going to turn on one another. We're going to forgive one another. Yes, the Bible has ways of, of dealing with sin and we are to deal with sin in the church. First Corinthians 5, Matthew chapter 18. But, but we get upset about such silly things, don't we? And we hold so many grudges against one another. This is the kind of love that maintains the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And this is what glorifies Christ. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Peter says, Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, see, ultimately that's the reason why we're to do it. Why are we to do it? If the world will know we are Christians by how we love one another, and if they look inside the church and they see how much we don't love one another, that does not bring, bring glory to Christ. So there should be something different about us. There should be something different about the way we handle conflict. There should be something different about the way we disagree because we love one another and love covers a multitude of sins. But finally, let me just show you how we can love like this. And... and let me just go ahead and confess up front. We can't. We cannot love like this in and of ourselves, can we? How many times have you promised yourself, I'll change? I'm going to change. You know, we're, we're coming across, I was, yesterday I was working on my preaching calendar and looking at the new year and thinking, wow, 2011 is already done. I mean, we're already thinking New Year's resolutions at our house and thinking what we're going to do. And it's a good time to think about new beginnings and, and you think, yeah, I'll change. You know, I'm going to lose that 15 pounds. I'm going to start eating well. I'm going to stop eating bluebell ice cream. You think, I'm going to change. And we don't have it in us to change ourselves. Maybe you've told yourself, yes, I'll, I'll start loving her again. Or I'll start loving him again. Or, or maybe you've told yourself, how can I love him again? How, how can I love her again after what she's done to me? How can I love them again? You remember what they did to us? What keeps us from earnestly loving others is love of something else. Maybe it's a love of self, love of money, love of pleasure. Maybe it's, it's pride, it's anger, it's fear. So how can we love like this? The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what we need not just for entrance into the kingdom. The gospel is what we need every single day of our lives. An earnest, welcoming, serving love originates in Jesus Christ himself. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And I want to show you where this love originates. It originates in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 4, beginning verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see, that's the key right there. This is why the world loves self, loves pleasure, loves everything but God, because the world is not born again. Only those who are truly born again can love like Christ loved, because we have been given a new heart. We have a new heart that allows us to love like Peter is talking about. Because if you are born of God, because God is love, you will love like God. And this is what we're, we're supposed to do. He goes on to say, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so I want to push back here a little bit and, and, and just say, 
if, if you don't have a loving attitude, if you don't have a loving heart, that is not Christ-likeness. That is not representative of God. And so you should ask yourself, am I, am I truly born again? Have I, have I really come to know God? Because if you know God, you have a new heart and you will love. Not perfectly, but you will continue to grow in that love. John goes on to say, verse 9, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. If we've truly been born again, God's love rests in us. God Himself lives in us and He will continue to grow us in that love. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in us will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? Again, not perfect, but there should be a trajectory that we're growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ and that we're growing in our love for one another. What kind of love? It's the love that we see defined in Jesus' life. Listen, Jesus gave his life for people that hated him. The Bible describes as hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds against God. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't say, clean yourself up and then, and then I'll send my son. He said, Jesus, go into the world and die for sinners. Die for the wicked. Die for the ungodly. Jesus did not come for the righteous. For the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. And this is the kind of love that we see. We see a love that initiates, even, even expressed to people that don't deserve it. Do you see that? We do not deserve God's love. And Jesus came and expressed his love for a people that didn't deserve it. it we, we, we didn't respond to his love apart from God's grace drawing us to his son. And that's the kind of love that we're supposed to have, a kind of love that initiates, a, a kind of love that expresses itself whether or not that other person is deserving and whether or not that other person receives it or returns it. You see that, beloved? Beloved? the kind of love that Christ displayed for us on the cross, that's the kind of love that we're supposed to express to one another. Such love produces a confident hope in us as we face the difficulty of these last days. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 15, and we'll close. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. That is the kind of love with which we're supposed to love one another for the glory of God in Christ 
as we cover a multitude of sins, displaying the love of Christ for us who covered our sins in his sacrificial death. How can we love like this? We can in our own power. But we can through the power of God as we have new hearts and we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Beloved, let us love one another and let us persevere in this love. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because apart from the gospel, apart from the power of the gospel, we would simply love self, love pleasure, love the things of this world and not love you or love one another. The evidence that we love you is in our love for one another. And that is why Peter says, above all, love one another. Because if we are able to love one another, it proves that we love you. Father, I pray for Park Hills. I pray that you would lavish them with your grace. I pray that you would strengthen them. Father, as they, as they are located in a strategic part of this city, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them. I pray, Father, that you would, you would work in their lives to display the love of Christ in them to one another and to this community and to this city. Father, bless them abundantly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.